You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1360. This is a, a bell ringer right here. This is your nugget for the day. Buyers of flipped houses in the 249 to 299 range, they don't care about interest rates. They want to know what their payments are going to be. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. I am your host today, Brent Bowers, the Landman, and today I've got Trey Nixon on. Man, he's going to blow your mind with some of the things that he's talking about, some of the things that he's doing in his rental business. He started out in the military just like me, but he actually had to go to the military because the judge told him to, but uh, that's a whole whole interesting story. But uh, Trey has flipped over 200 houses, and I mean renovations and everything, not just wholesaling the houses. He's big into apartment complexes now and raising capital. So he's got several gold nuggets he's going to share today. I, I hope you stay until the very end because we're going to be talking about seller financing, the power of seller financing, and what we're both seeing in this market that's happening today. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Trey Nixon, welcome to the Wholesaling Inc. Podcast. How are you, man? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the uh, the pre-recording conversation so far. Well, Welcome to Rhino Nation, the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. In 30 to 60 seconds, you know, tell Rhino Nation a little bit about yourself. And I know I just gave you a massive challenge because uh, I know a lot about you already. But tell Rhino Nation how you got started in real estate, what, what you're up to. Uh, we kind of have very parallel paths, you and I. Absolutely. I uh, joined the army out of necessity. The judge said I needed some structure in my lifestyle and it gave me everything I wanted. Accountability, training, education, an MBA, anything you can think of. I got into real estate really because my wife was watching too much HGTV, but I knew that there was a, you know, a, an escalation. I knew that it could take me somewhere. So we bought our first house flip. We bought our first rental back in 2011 out of necessity and, and kept it. But in 2015, I bought my first flip property in Augusta, Georgia and just took off. And I realized that that's what I wanted to do. I've flipped about 200 houses since then, and we've amassed you know, a large portfolio of rental property and apartment complexes and other real estate-related businesses. But ultimately, flipping houses is what got me started in this. And um, today, we are still flipping houses. I probably have about six or seven going on. But what's great is when you learn how to flip houses, you become a contractor or expert in construction. And then that blends into everything, whether you're, you know, renovating rental properties, taking on commercial projects, or even just working around your own house. It helps you out a lot. Wow. Wow. Okay. So much unpacked there. The first thing I want to talk about is what was going on with that judge telling you you need structure? Like that's That sounds like the juicy details right there. Yeah. You got to wait for the book on that one, or you got to at least send me a, a direct message. I don't know if we've got time or the flavor on here, the bandwidth for that. But you know, it's just, I'm probably like a lot of people, didn't have a dad growing up. It was kind of a rough childhood and got into a lot of trouble and just didn't have any direction or guidance in my life until I got in the army. And the, and the judge saying I need some structure was just that pivot point where he, I remember him saying, what are you going to do with yourself? You know, just in just small kid trouble stuff, you know, speeding tickets, yeah. things like that. And I said, I'm going to join the military. And I really said it because I was a good salesman and I was trying to get out of trouble. And he, and he just stuck me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he stuck me to it. 
And um, I actually went and, and joined the army. And it was right after 9-11. So there was some some good things going on inside of you in the country that made it a noble cause and some hope. And, and I absolutely loved it. I got to see the world, went to war a bunch of times. It just gave me everything that I needed that I didn't have. Yeah. Well, God bless America. That's for sure. That's right. So I heard you say that you didn't have a father around growing up. Uh, but I mean, surely your, your mom was probably pretty wealthy and sent you to private school and taught you all these things to be able to flip you know, 200 plus houses and have a portfolio over, you know, I think you said the other day, $150 million uh, was just your apartment or your rental portfolio. So surely you grew up with uh, a silver spoon. Nope. The silver was all plated and we had stolen it from the 27 different rental properties over multiple states that we had lived in before I graduated high school. So no, no trust fund, baby. And really no to this day, my mom doesn't balance the checkbook. We're paying her her stuff today. So, you know, it was just kind of a generational gap that I had to jump across. Yeah. So taking care of mom. I love hearing that. Yeah. I love hearing it. Yeah, man. Because I think a lot of uh, people that you see these these major success stories, it's like, oh, well, they had it all. You know, they had that father. They had the mom that, that took care of them. I'm starting from nothing. Or I grew up in a single wide trailer. Uh, how can I get started? And that's you know, a lot of Rhino Nation, like they're just trying to figure out how to do their first deal. Some of them are trying to do their 10th deal, let alone 200th deal. Um, Here's what I tell people is I meet people all the time that had these incredible fathers. Guys my age, I'm 42 years old. They run million dollar businesses, just massive corporations. I'm good friends with a lot of people that came up very wealthy. And I tell them all the time, I want my son to be you. You know, I want to be you. Like my son is going to have your dad. And that, that's hard to compartmentalize and, and unpack right there. But what I did is I'm jumping the generational gap, the wealth, everything, and I'm teaching my son. And I really don't think it's going to hit until my son's son. So they're going to look back and go, hey, grandfather Trey really set the stage and the foundation. And that's how far out I'm thinking right now. So I'm hearing legacy. That's I'm right. I'm hearing generational wealth, you know, because at the end of the day, I might be wrong, but uh, there's only so much money we need. And then it's further thinking. Is that the huge why of flipping 200 houses and building continuous these portfolios and all these real estate deals? What is the why? Yeah, the why, you know, it started with, we've got to do something, right? We've got to do something. This isn't going to work. And what I did was, I told you, I flipped out of necessity. It was kind of like my wife said, we're going to flip a house because we watch house flipping shows on HGTV. But then during the house flip, something changes inside of you. It really does. And, you know, the first book I really read, and I, this is kind of cliche, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it, it completely changed my life. I listened to it over and over and over on audiobook. And I started speaking that way. And I started making, you know, asking my wife to read these books. And then Tony Robbins's book, Money, and like all these, these books books that started changing my life and the way that I think. And to this day, my family, my mom, my sister, no one thinks like that. And so it makes things awkward now because I completely changed my, my way of thinking. And so the why now is my time, right? We have this finite amount of time left on earth, right? So we've got, I got, you know, 38 summers left. So think about that. I'm 42 years old. The average person lives to 78 years old, something like that. I got 35, 40 summers left. That's it with your kids, with your family. So when you start thinking about little things like that, okay, well, what are we doing? Am I going to work for those next, for 22 of those summers? Or, or how can I fix this right now? And so what I'm doing is I'm looking at my time and saying, what are we doing with our time? Can I get 
two or three hours of work done a day that most people get done in 40 hours of work. Get rid of the busy stuff and then really focus on what's important. Being a husband, being a father, helping the community and helping other people. That's what I'm focused on right now. Wow. Wow. I'm still thinking about how many summers I have left personally. And that that's huge. At the end of the day, you take care of the financial needs to provide that security, that safety, the food, the clothing. After that, it's just like, okay, now let's think about time. What are we doing with our time? Like what did God place us on this earth to do? And also the people we brought on this earth, you know, our children, what are we doing to, you know, show them the way? And, you know, like Trey, I love that, that you mentioned that, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast, Rhino Nation, they don't have a lot of time or maybe even a lot of money. You know, how did you do that first deal? Like walk us through that first deal so that someone that listening to this can do that first deal today so that maybe they can quit that job, that time suck that they've got, or just add a, a little financial security so they can, you know, take that summer off this summer coming up or next summer. Like let's, let's walk through one of your first deals and, and kind of how you got it done. And also the mindset that it took to get that first flip because that's scary. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take you all the way back. I was living an hour away, hour, two hours away from where I was going to flip houses, but I knew I was going to move there. So what I did was I found a realtor and, you know, and an uh, investment friendly realtor is what we call them. And she drove me around and we looked at some houses and I was like, how am I going to do this? I'd had no money. I had, you know, I had a two-year-old, a one-year-old and a three-month-old and I'm in the army. So, you, you know, you can look up my paycheck, you know, online, but we weren't exactly killing it. Stay at home wife, taking care of mother-in-law and my mom, you know, we were on living on credit cards, living paycheck to paycheck, but I pushed it a step farther. I found a house. Um, it was listed for $50,000. We made an offer of $37,000 and they accepted our offer. Now, what do I do? So I called. Yeah, how do you come up with the thirty-seven thousand dollars? I called up uh, USAA, which is a bank that I banked with with the Army. And what's great? Yeah. What's great about them is they knew that I had a paycheck every two weeks. So there was a certain amount of what they call unsecured loans or a personal loan. And um, I borrowed twenty-five thousand dollars from them. Was the max I could borrow. And my closing attorney let me put the rest on a credit card. My man. Yeah, um, I and- love that. And USAA. You know, that was one of my first loans too. That's so funny. It was just bringing back old memories. I got a, a $30,000 unsecured personal loan at 14%. That's how I bought that first piece of land. But they know your commander's number. <laughs> they'll call your commander if you don't pay. And they'll take it right out of your paycheck. We yeah. never got to that, but then you've got to renovate it. So I found, you know, companies that took credit cards, flooring companies, things like that, and really just did most of it myself. I mean, mornings, lunch breaks, weekends, Saturday mornings, cleaning up. I mean, learning on the fly. I mean, you can learn how to flip a house watching YouTube. You really this can. This is an hour and a half away from where you live. Correct. You got three kids. You have a, a full-time... Were you an officer by that point or were you still enlisted? Yeah, I was an officer at that point and I was in Captain's Career course. So I had moved back here then TDY wow. to go to Captain's Career course. So, you know, before PT in the morning, stop by there to make sure everybody got anything done or yep. send some messages. You know, at lunch break, hour and a half, shoot over there, check on everybody in uniform. And then when I get off, you take the top off and you start working until dark. You come home, you tuck the kids in, get up the next morning at 4 a.m. and you go do it again. Do it all over again. And for anybody who's like wondering what is PT, that's not physical therapy. That's physical training in the military. Uh, the reason why I asked, Trey, if you were an officer yet or enlisted, I don't know if it was anything like uh, enlisted. I had a lot more time. 
as an officer, holy cow, like they just own my time, the military did. So uh, that, that tells me you had a lot going, but I know Hatton's career course, you probably had a little extra time because you're, you're in school, uh, but that's phenomenal. Yeah, so, and you know, okay. as humans, we tend to do what we want to do, right? What we like. Our friend Tom's got a, a saying where you put the stuff at the top of the list, you know, your priorities. And it takes, you know, a self-disciplined person to be like, I know that I really like doing this, but it doesn't produce any income or doesn't do anything or doesn't advance my cause. So I, I shouldn't do it. Well, I really wanted this to work, the house flipping thing, like, like most yeah. new investors do. So you spent all this time, you got it renovated on credit cards, you bought it for 37000 What did the numbers look like? So we spent about $30,000 renovating it. And that was everything. Roof, windows, HVACs, flooring, opening it up. And so my first... Actually, my first mentor and coach that really helped me was a large real estate agent in town. He was the one that was like, wow, this kid's got something I'm going to pour into him. Now I gave him every listing for a couple of years. So I paid and, you know, my coach to, to have access to him at all times. But I remember he sent over an agent and the, it was a new agent and the guy had all the comps listed out and everything. We were done. We we're about to put the sign in the yard, had pictures ordered. And he goes, Hey, it looks like we should list this for $84,900. And I said, that sounds good, but we want to list it at 108,000. And he was like, I don't know. And I said, I, I got a good feeling. You know, I, I, this is what I think. We've done our research. And everybody said, this is never going to sell. This is in a bad neighborhood. This is just, it's rough. We had 30 showings that weekend. It sold for 110 and it actually closed, closed to close. So I bought it to the day I got the sales check, 89 days. Still an incredibly fast flip in today's standards, doing it professionally. And then all that did was like, wow, I made $30,000 in 90 days. It was incredible. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Bought it for six or bought it for 37. Sounds like you had about 67 in it. Sold it for a hundred and how much? 10? 110,000. Paid some realtors a couple bucks. Yeah. And it worked out well. 30 something thousand. Nice, man. Well, victory bell on your first deal there. Love it. And that's where you get addicted. That was it. You know what I did? This is, you'll love it. Because I was doing such a good job in this neighborhood, I bought the one across the street. I bought the one next door. In fact, I still own today. uh, What are we? Six, seven, eight, eight years later, I still own the one next door to my first flip ever as a rental property. And then just, it just kind of catapulted, you know? And that's when I said, oh no, I'm out of money. I don't know who to borrow from. I don't know what to do. And that coach and that mentor pulled me aside and he goes, don't stop. Don't worry about the money. You find the deals, the money will show up. That is rang true on every single deal that I've ever looked at and ever done. If it's a smoking hot deal and you can get it, you do not need to worry about the money. Keywords, smoking hot deal. That's right. It's got to be a deal. I mean, and this is not a knock to someone just getting started. I have so many people that bring me quote, end quote deals, like air quotes is what I'm doing right now. Anybody listening to this going down the road? It's not all deals. And, and, and I do my best to show them where you need to be at to have a deal. And sometimes you just got to go back to that seller and, and do some hard negotiation. Well, I already promised this price. Well, you better go and, and break that promise and tell them you were wrong. <laughs> because like, if you have a deal that is actually a smoking hot deal, it's going to move itself. And I know that sounds crazy. It will move itself. You just have to work to do it. It's not going to happen by just praying to God, but it's going to happen. But if you have something that's barely like just barely a deal and you got to get like crazy creative and all these things, you just got to move mountains then pass on that deal, cancel the contract or renegotiate and go spend your time elsewhere on an actual deal. 
I look at 10, 12 land deals a week and I only do about one a week. That's right. Maybe one a week. You know, I, what I tell people, especially new wholesalers, if you're just getting into the business or you've just started wholesaling and you're starting to talk to sellers, look, as wholesalers, we need to start re-educating our sellers right now as a community. For the last three years, everyone thinks everything's dipped in gold. And, and right, because we could buy stuff and just make up on the back end. We could figure it out. Wholesalers have been killing it the last couple of years. But what we're seeing now is we're having to go back more and more to those sellers and renegotiate. And I think nationwide right now, if you're listening to this and you're a wholesaler, let's get together and let's start re-educating our sellers like we used to. You know, no more of this just walking in and saying, oh, you want 110? Sounds great. Let's lock it up and I'm going to go list it for 3000 more and run up that price and we're going to make a ton of money. Look, I, everybody's been doing that. But with this current market that we're in, we got to go back. There's not enough room. Materials are for these flippers. They can't buy them. The materials are too expensive. Interest rates are too high. So I would say right now, and I know this sounds crazy in California and West Coast and New York, but here in Georgia, we're not flipping anything with an ARV and after repair value over 300,000. Really 249, 299. It's because this is a, a bell ringer right here. This is your nugget for the day. Buyers of flipped houses in the 249 to 299 range, they don't care about interest rates. They want to know what their payments are going to be. Right? They're, they're still, no one cares about the interest rate. It is the payment. It no really one cares. Is the payment. I bought my first house in the military. I bought a 700 square foot condo in Oahu, Hawaii with no parking spaces for $315,000 in 2007, December of 07. Next month, the market crashed. I had no idea. I was getting a housing allowance from the military. And, you know, and that my interest rate was 6%. It was the best VA rate in the nation. I had no idea what my interest rates were. I knew that my payments were less than my housing, you know, payment you know, money. So that's what I think yeah. to, to start thinking about. We've got to shift ourselves back to their wholesalers. You got to do a little bit more legwork. You've got to tell these sellers, hey, I know the house next door sold for this much a year and a half ago, but we cannot sell it on the back end that way. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. You need to know the market. And and again, what the, the house next door sold six months ago. For, well, things have changed as interest rates go up, as money is harder to get, that will reduce the value, reduce the amount of buyers you have in the buyer pool, hence increase the supply, decrease the demand. It all goes back to supply and demand. Well, Trey, what are you up to today? Like you, you're talking about some huge, like you're buying massive apartment complexes. Like what, what does life look about? Like look for you today. Yeah, we are still flipping houses. Um, I am in a, a great location in Augusta, Georgia. You see the master's gear. We got it on. It's because I, I love Airbnbs too. So I, I have a ton of Airbnbs across the street from the Augusta National and all in the same area. Uh, the revenue for that week only makes up about a one third of our um, Airbnb revenue across our portfolio. But we're building some new construction Airbnbs, high-end stuff. But I love apartments right now. I think that workforce housing is your number one investment moving forward. You think about a one-bedroom apartment when people are living you know, on the scale of life, you start moving out of a rental house, you move into an apartment. There's really under that. And I don't mean, because look, I, I was living in a trailer at one point. A one-bedroom apartment is the bottom of the rung minus you know, a, a trailer and a trailer park, but it might even be lower than that. And we think that there's more poor people than rich people out there, and they all need a place to live. So we're investing in these workforce housing, 28 to 130 units. 
And um, we're always looking for help for that. So if you want to invest in multifamily real estate in the number one media market in the entire country, uh, we can connect as well as that too. But ultimately, we're giving back now, Brent. We um, we flip so many houses and we, we have enough going on that, okay, what's my next step in life? And you mentioned it. Um, God told me, hey, go help some people. I want to see you help some people. And that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm coaching a lot of real estate investors. And if you look, if you're looking to get involved with me and you want to jump on my team and figure out how I got from in the army seven years later to $20 million in rentals and flipped a couple hundred houses, oceanfront beach houses, anything you want in life, look me up online. My coaching company is called Rivet, R-I-V-E-T. Uh, you can find it at Rivet Inc, R-I-V-E-T-I-N-C.com, rivetinc.com. And uh, shoot me a message on there. I'd love to connect with you and see if there's any way that I can come alongside you on this journey and help you out. I love it. So I was doing my my uh, journaling this morning while listening to a sermon, and I love that you just mentioned just just helping others. You know, and and the thing that just kept coming to me and coming to me and coming to me this morning is seek first the one who matters most. Seek first the one who matters and, most. And I'll add on to that, Brent. You know, I tell people out there that you know if you're not, you know, we're talking about God, you are going to have to submit to a master at some point. We're not here today to tell you you must submit to God today, but your master could be anything. Your master could be social media. It could be bad websites. It could be food. It could be anything. But I tell you what changed my life was submitting to him and the number one master. We're all going to have to do it at some point in life. And uh, the quicker you fix that, the quicker everything else falls in the line. Amen. Amen. Well, Trey, thanks so much for for being a Rhino Nation, being a go-giver today. What's one thing one more gold nugget i know you're i heard that first one though 249 to 299 price range in augusta georgia that's powerful and if anybody missed that that is the price the payment the amount of payment monthly mortgage payments that someone can afford that's in the military uh to buy one of your fully renovated houses yeah. uh, that you just flipped uh what's another gold nugget that, that or your last gold nugget? we mentioned it earlier about um Oh, I can't even think what we were, we were talking about, but I'll tell you this. You got to sign two things, right? Oh yeah. You like that one. So I'm, all right, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you that one as if you're a wholesaler and you're trying to buy a house, whether you're going to wholesale it, you're going to wholesale it, whatever you're going to do, but you, you're talking to that seller and he's being a little disgruntled or he or she, and they don't want to sign your contract. They don't want to hear your pitch. One of the things that I've been super successful at, is just kind of getting on their level. I call it being a chameleon, right? So some days I'm a construction worker. I drive my F-150. I've got my work boots on. And some days I've got my shirt tucked in. I'm driving my sports car because I've got to go to the bank that day. Be a chameleon in your environment. And what I tell the seller, and he, first thing he goes is, well, I'm not signing any contracts today. I said, sir, you don't have to sign it, anything but two things. You're going to sign two things with me. You're going to come down to the lawyer's office. You're going to sign that deed. And you're going to sign the back of my check when you cash it. That's it. And that puts a lot of people at ease that there's not a lot of, you know, contracts and rigmarole going along with it. And um, I always love that. So you're going to sign two things, the deed in the back of my check. Uh, and the other thing I'll tell you, you know, new wholesalers out there, if you're just getting started, start with the seller, meaning there's always financing with the seller, right? Don't worry about how you're going to buy it. You know, and you've heard this before, but look, when you're talking to that seller, that seller finance, that sub two, Sub two, you guys look this up. I know Brent tells you about it, but I'm telling you right now, the money right now is with the sellers. 
A lot of them. Yes. It was like that. Yes. It was like that five, six years ago. Then money was free and cheap. So everybody wanted their cash. But right now, telling those sellers like, hey, I could give you all this money up front or I could give you a little bit. We could give you a thousand a month and you wouldn't have to pay a lump of taxes. You get a little cash flow. We're back in that scenario. So wholesalers look for the financing with the seller number one. Financing, financing, financing. Right before we started, right before you jumped on this podcast this morning, Trey. I had just texted an offer to a seller. We talked last night and I said, I'll text you in the morning. I just offered him. I know he wanted 400,000. 400,000 is what he wanted. So I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that price. But I'm going to give you 15,000 down and I'm going to give you $1,887.25 for the next 17 years. And that's where I left it. I didn't mention interest, did I? We'll let we'll let and him deal with I'm, that. And look, this is what that looks like. If you want to even break it down any farther, I can give you the four hundred thousand. Just know that if it's you know if it's paid for, you're going to pay a hundred k in taxes. So you're really only getting three. Why not let me give you a chunk down now and drip it to you over the next couple of years? And maybe he's going to throw in a balloon rate. What I, a lot of times what I'll do is just throw out, hey, I'll sell or finance it with that ten or fifteen thousand down. 6% 30-year AM with a five-year balloon. And all that means, if you're listening out there, is you're going to get a chunk now, you're going to get a, a payment every month for the next five years, and then I'm going to give you a huge chunk in five years. In the background, the 30-year AM helps with our payment. The 6% interest rate looks good to him. You know, some of, a lot of times these old sellers, and the interest rate can always fluctuate, but I'd like to start there putting that balloon payment out five years from now if he's got a problem seller financing it. And show them, print that entire 30-year amortization schedule out and show him what that payment will look like in five years, how much you will still owe him. If it's a $200,000 mortgage at 6% interest, in five years, you're still going to owe $195,000. Yep, we're front-loading all that interest to you. It's basically interest-only payments. And that sucks for you as the buyer, as the payor. But it's amazing for that lender, that bank the seller that's financing you, that's how you, that's how you can pay them these, like, you're either going to give me good, good cash price, discount price, or my terms. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. Holy cow. We're going over Rhino Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Trey Nixon. Uh, share your website one more time. Guys, if you want to connect with me, take a look at rivet-inc, R-I-V-E-T-I-N-C.com and send me a message. I love it. Rhino Nation, keep taking action. Keep listening to these podcasts. I also want you to go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash land, wholesalinginc.com forward slash land and schedule a call today. Keep taking action. God bless. And we'll see you in the next one. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.